This episode is sponsored by our friends at SongTrust. SongTrust is the world's largest technology solution for global music publishing, royalty collection, and administration. It was founded to simplify music rights management and to remove complexity from the publishing landscape. SongTrust collects publishing royalties for more than 2 million songs with a community of more than 300,000 songwriters and rights holders. Use promo code PUBCAST20 and sign up for 20% off your SongTrust registration. Hello, Pubcasters. Sorry it has been a minute since our last episode, but we are now back on track with a conversation with songwriter Jen Schott. We get into the nitty-gritty of the life of a songwriter. The highs, the lows, the heartbreaks, and the victories. Welcome back, Pubcast listeners. Today's episode, we're sitting with my good friend, singer, songwriter, Jen Schott. And marathoner. I should throw in marathoner. You're still running marathons, right, Jen? I am. <laughs> Amazing Still doing me. it. That's probably a good analogy for what we're about to get into about being in the music business because it sure as hell is not a sprint. <laughs> it is not. It There are a lot of parallels for sure. Well, good. I, I'm sure we're going to get into that. But before we deep dive into some of this conversation, let's just get a quick little backstory on how you got here to Nashville and kind of got to where you are now. Yeah. So, yeah, grew up in uh, southeast Kansas, a town called Pittsburgh. Uh, my parents were both musicians. My dad uh, taught woodwinds at uh, the university in my hometown, and my mom was a flutist. And so music was always a huge part of my life. I never thought it would be my career. If you would have told me in high school, I'd be writing songs in Nashville. I wouldn't have believed it. Um, but music was always a huge part of my life. And, and right after high school, uh, I got a summer job working at a country radio station, KKOW 96.9, the cow uh, in my hometown. And it was mid nineties and the music was incredible. I'd listened to a little country before that, but that really sealed my love for this genre and uh you know, eight hours a day, I was getting schooled with all these great songs. And so went off to college, University of Missouri, journalism was my major, but this music thing was tugging at me. And uh, by the time I was a senior, partway through my senior year, I had a job waiting for me in Kansas City at a public relations firm, but decided uh, with the encouragement of one of my journalism professors to make the move to Nashville. And that's what got me to town. Um, didn't know yet that you could be a songwriter. I wrote songs. I didn't know it was a thing. I knew I loved to sing and knew I couldn't just show up. But uh, anyway, I got here and uh, and now, and I'm still here somehow by the grace of God. So what we're gonna talk about today and, and uh, with Jen is, you know, um, we talk up to a lot of songwriters, but we don't always get into the nitty gritty of what life is like as a songwriter. So let's start with some basic history. Uh, how many publishing deals have you had to this point in your career already? Um, I think six. You know. So walk me through the, this. This is gonna be a little more emotional and psychological look at this kind of situation. What? What goes through your mind when you're looking at, let's start with the first deal, because you, you never forget your first. What goes through your mind and when you're signing that first deal? What are you looking for and how are you walking through that emotionally to, to partner up on that first uh, publishing deal? Well, I think emotionally I was so excited and honored and fired up um, 
that I was getting that opportunity. I was new, you know, I'd been in town for a few years, but I, part of me, obviously part of me felt ready, but part of me did not feel ready. Um, and I knew it was going to be a big learning curve and it was, and the opportunity to start getting in the room with people that were way better than me. I was super fired up about that. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I, I need cuts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, but I think just that foot in the door was, uh, was the biggest part was just, okay, I'm in now. How do I stay in? And you had uh, the fortunate uh, side of having more than one person interested you at the time. Do you remember just anything distinctly that made you pick DreamWorks over any of the other opportunities that might've been floating around at the time? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I can pinpoint it. I know at that point, you know, I mean, you know, this. a lot of young writers, it's kind of a dating process with the publisher. And I had been working with a couple of the writers at DreamWorks for at that point, maybe six to eight months, something like that. So there was already starting to be a rapport and a comfort, um, in, in how we were dealing with each other. And I think that at that point was probably part of my decision that i think that's important and is there's relationships we talk about a lot it's a very much relationship business so you had an established comfort level and rapport yes. with the pluggers with the writers so you went into that situation with that comfort level now let's walk through what that first contract was like uh, again let's look at it on a, on a, on uh both of an emotional and success level because again writers you, when we say writers live year by year you sign a contract that has yearly options so you basically have to look at your report card every year and, and sit with your publisher and kind of go where are we at and there's triggers like are you having success not necessarily have you paid all your drawback yet but like what what's what's the future looking like so as you started that first deal um were you getting a lot of activity and were things moving in a, in a good good way and and how did you process that as you options came up what was like facing your first option like you know isn't that bad i'm like i don't even remember facing my first option i mean i i guess things were going well i feel like there was there was interest in the songs there was interest in me as an artist which i think kept them um engaged in me um as a writer there and um yeah, the holds, you know, back then holds were a big thing and there were a lot of holds um, and some cuts came from that catalog, but it was, I, I can't remember if I was still there, if I had left at that point, if I was on to my next deal. But um, yeah, I think there was excitement um, because there was a little bit of a buzz because I was new. And again, there was some, some artist interest at that point. Yeah, I remember that. I remember their conversations of setting you up and, and uh, you delving down the artist road, which opens up the conversation of did you wholeheartedly were you searching out the artist path or was that one of those things that just was kind of coming to you at that time and you were just kind of uh, seeing how that went? You know, it's funny when I came to town, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then once I learned and my eyes were open to the songwriting community, I completely turned and focused 100% on songwriting. So at that point, it kind of came out of left field that people were interested in me uh, potentially as an artist. So it was a little unexpected, but fun and a good and uh, an educational process for me to go through um, to cut sides with a few different producers. I had a development deal um, in my next writing deal to see that side of things, um, I think helps me as a writer. 
and that is, that's another adventure of 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 riding emotional waves because as as this goes as a, in a in the life of writer, even as the publisher, yeah. you ride the wave, you get in holds, you get a cut. Do you remember what your first cut was? Do you remember that yeah. still? Yeah, I remember my first cut and my first single. My first cut was a um, they were kind of a bluegrass band. They were siblings. It was called Malibu Storm. And it was a song I wrote with Sally Barris and Mark Bright cut it on them. And I remember running into Mark and him being kind enough to say, hey, come to my office and I'll play you the cut. So that was my first cut. My first single, which I think was my second cut, uh, was Restless Heart, um, a song called Feel My Way to You. And that was out of my first deal, um, DreamWorks. All right, if I'm a young writer and I'm asking you for advice uh, and we've walked through this, okay, you've signed your first post. If it's coming to an end, how do you prepare yourself? Do you know, I guess, I've never asked a writer this, do you know where you probably like, I think my deal's about to end and how do you process that as a writer, stay creative, stay focused and, and look for a new deal or did yours come by surprise? Maybe some of those did. I'm not sure how those ended for you. Um, you know, that deal, and maybe what I remember from that is that DreamWorks Publishing, the division of publishing was going to be phasing out. At least that's what they told me. Maybe that was their way of being like, hey. Um, <laughs> but because of that, they weren't going to continue picking up options is what is how it went. And again, maybe that was just them trying to be gentle. But um, it, it, and so for that reason, I don't know. I feel like they must have given me a, a decent amount of lead time. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't panicked. I, you know, before I went to DreamWorks, I had met with a handful of people and um, had kept, tried to keep those relationships going, which I think is something that I would say to any writer at any stage in your career is um, make sure you're keeping those relationships with uh, other publishers, other songwriters. It's super important. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I transitioned pretty quickly from one deal to the next, um, in that situation. And because you mentioned it, it's a very personal business. So these people you tend to work with them. I don't know if you made it through all of your options or you made just through a few, but these are like, I always joke, these are like marriages when you do a contract mm, with a publisher because, yeah. and we are so close and we, we have so much contact. We ride each other through everything. How did you feel hearing that from the person? Did you take it personal or did were you able to separate it a business and personal or how did how did that yeah. how did you feel walking through that? Strangely, that one I did not take personal. Now there have been other ones um that have been You don't have to name companies, personal. by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. But that one I didn't. And I don't know if that was just being young and I, you know, I don't know, or not being too worried because I, I don't know. Um but yeah, there, you know, it is not a linear process on how this business, um, how you view this business, <laughs> uh, or at least it hasn't been for me. But um, no, I didn't. In that particular situation, I, I it didn't feel negative. So on the other side, as much as you feel comfy, what made it different on the other one that might have felt a little more personal? Um, I would say, well, and it's I think it was I can tell you what it was. Um, and I should have known better, but the person at some point during my deal said, we're committed, which they should never say this, they were young. We're committed to the entire, your entire contract. And then, mm. uh-huh. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then it didn't quite make that far. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, so that, dangers, uh, you know, I knew, I should have known better than to believe that. But, um, you know, and looking back, I think it was for the best. It was it was time for a scene change, you know. Um, but yeah, in the moment, you, it was not. How do you know? Right. OK, that's another good one. I always put it this way. Sometimes you reach a creative end in certain deals. Do you yeah. know when you're reaching a creative end in your publisher relationship? And how have you managed that? Because uh, that's hard, too, because I get I'm, I I know what it's like in my seat because I've been a publisher all these years, but I've never honestly never really asked writers these questions. So uh, how, how did you handle that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think at the time it was I I was emotional about it, but I think I also separated myself because here's the thing. And I always say this. I, I have to say it to myself, but I've said it to other friends that are writers at the end of the day, at the end of my career, they're going to hopefully say Jen Schott was a solid writer. They're not going to say Jen Schott was a solid writer at da -da -da company. It's about me as a brand and me as a creator. And so I'm like, you know what, even if you're in a bad situation, you need to make the best of it. And it wasn't a bad situation, but I think it's, you have to keep doing what you do regardless. You know? Stay focused on the song. So how absolutely can you, can you give advice on how, when you say you already know, you know, a deal might be ending and, is there a process you have to manage the end of a deal going into a new one? And I'm, I'm going to be specific on being able to stay creative. I mean, you've got to maintain what you're doing on your day to day, but also process this business side, because I know artists and writers are creatives mostly and business not quite as much. You are definitely more a type A. You can mm -hmm. handle both. I, I've noticed and very organized and. But how do you manage that emotionally and stay focused on on writing? Is there advice you can give on that? I think that's something that has come with time. Yeah, it, you kind of have to compartmentalize it a little bit. But it's like, you know what? You know what's going to keep me moving forward in my career is going into the room and writing a great song. And so I have to, you know, I have to remind myself, yeah, we all have days that are off as writers. Um, and yeah, I had one situation in a deal. This was a long time ago too, but yeah, it's like midway through the deal, had a very hard conversation with the publisher at the time, who was not, who signed me, there'd been switch over and stuff. And I mean, it, it was, a um, it, it messed me up creatively for a little bit, but then I picked myself back up and I, I kind of had that mentality of like, you know what, I'm going to show him. And I wrote like 500 percenters and demoed them all and put them on his desk. And it ended up being a positive thing. And, um, you know, if you have to go away and, and find your fire again, do it. But, um, you, you know, you got to keep right. You got to. We all know comparison is really difficult. You know, you've written, you've done this again, you've mentioned six contracts, you've been around for 20 years now. How hard is it to stay focused on your own lane when you watch people uh, come up and like maybe surpass you some in success and maybe you've had some journeys? How do you keep in your own lane and stay focused? That's, I mean, that's the analogy that I always use. And I think I learned that pretty early on. I mean, you have to relearn it, but yeah, it's like, you kind of have to put on the blinders, right? And it's this, this business is not like every other business where it's linear. There are going to be some people right out of the gate that get, you know, 
a bunch of songs on the charts and some people are going to have ebbs and flows and have high points and some are a slow burn up. Um, it's easier said than done to not, um, obviously to compare, but, uh, it also is like, you know what, I'm on my own unique journey. And I think it's just come to that of like, I have to have the peace that I am on the journey I'm supposed to be. And I get to write songs every day for a living. And, uh, yeah, I am hungry for all the hits, but yeah, along the way it's, um, you just have to trust that you're on your own journey and just work your butt off. And that's all you can do is write the best song, demo it to the best of your ability, pitch it to the best of your ability and beyond that, you know? Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. We hope you subscribe in your favorite podcast platform and follow us at AIMP Nashville to stay up to date and informed in the world of music publishing and songwriting. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is created by executive producers Del Bobo and yours truly, Tim Hunzi, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks again for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. Oh,